Hi, it's Dylan. This is Rob Beer Temple of The Athletic in Pittsburgh. I cover the Pittsburgh Pirates. And this is episode 46B, take two, of the Yins Above Replacement podcast. I am joined, as always, by the invaluable... Stephen J. Nesbitt. And you're absolutely right, Rob. There was a part one to this that we, we taped last week, and, and uh, it was... Basically, a few a few hours before um, before the season was was effectively halted, uh, the, the the preseason, I guess, spring training was was halted, and we had some immense technical difficulties. We had Sean Gentilly joining us. We had three people at the beginning. Uh, you dropped, uh, you know, five or ten minutes in, and then Sean dropped a couple minutes after that. So by the end of it, it was just me speaking into the into the void about you know potential contract extensions, and we said, you know what. This probably isn't going to work. So we're back. We know a little, little bit more about what's happening in baseball. Uh, not a, not, not a ton, honestly. There's, there's a whole lot more we'd like to know. But at this yeah. point, uh, you know, we spoke with, with Ben Sherrington, uh, two days ago now, and he gave basically what they know at this point as, as a team. And that is that, you know, spring, uh, spring training camps, uh, have been disbanded. Players are allowed to go home. It seems minor league players uh, pretty much must go home unless they, uh, for some safety reason, they can't get home, uh, as in going to a place where you might not be able to get back into the country. Um, other than that, the, the major league guys are, um, I think camp is pretty much cleared out. I know Jamison Tyone is still going in there because he's, he's rehabbing. But other than that, um, it is no longer a place where you're going to see you know tens and hundreds of, of minor leaguers and major leaguers congregating. So they're, um, I thought it was pretty funny over the weekend seeing the Yankees being pretty adamant that they're going to they continue to hold uh, workouts and, you know, took a team vote and everyone's going to stay. And, and then within two days, the league is like, no, you, you have to go. No, you're not allowed to stay here. Please stop working <laughs> out. You're going to get each other sick. So uh, th- so in speaking with, with Charrington, we, we got clarity on a couple issues and uh, no clarity on, on a whole lot of others. Basically, he, he believes a season is going to happen. He's hopeful that a season is going to happen. Um, there will be a, a warm-up spring training at some point, um, you know, spring training redux in, you know, maybe that's mid-May, maybe that's start of June. It all depends how quickly this uh, virus becomes less of a more, you know, of an urgent issue. Um, pandemic, I guess, is the word. <clears throat> so, That'll take a couple of weeks, right? And so we're looking at, at best, probably like a, a June 1st restart, um, you know, maybe Memorial weekend. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of time to figure out the details, but I, I wrote a piece the other day looking at basically what, what does this do to a rebuilding team? What does a delayed season or even a canceled season do to a rebuilding team? And a lot of interesting, uh, just spider web effects that'll, that'll happen. I mean, it's even worse if you're a contender because a canceled season, you'd lose a, a prime, you know, a year of the prime of Chris Bryant and Anthony Rizzo and, and all those guys uh, to pick the pick on the Cubs. So for the Pirates, it's much more you're just losing developmental time. Um, so what what any other issue you, you lose the ability to to turn around some of these guys are hoping to turn around as bounce back performers. You know, Chris Archer, Gregory Polanco, maybe even Josh Bell. Could be considered bounce back if you look at his second half, and so and so can we? Um, the, the Pirates can't you really wouldn't have the option to trade those guys now this year. Um, so you know, is Chris Archer going to be any easier to trade next spring if he's a year older and 
still is working off his 2018 stats. So that'll all sort of get worked out uh, down the road. A couple things I'm curious about, and I want to get your thoughts on, is what happens here with with salaries. If we start June 1st, July 1st, next you know, opening day 2021, <laughs> then... Will guys have gotten their salaries? Is what's guaranteed? What's not? Are you know? I've heard there's some sort of clause in the CBA that for for national emergencies there's there's um, some stipulation involved there. And, and I'm curious, like what you've heard from players, because what I've heard from players is basically like we have no clue, we don't know what's going on, um, and all we know at this point is we're getting a uh, the, you know a stipend, a weekly stipend. I think it's about um, a little over a thousand bucks. Yeah. Uh, from the league, but that's only for people in the 40 man. So I, I was curious what you've been hearing. I've been hearing the same thing as you, which is pretty much no one is really sure exactly what they're going to get, what they're not going to get, how they're going to proceed. Um, agents are confused, uh, uncertain about wh- what path MLB is going to take with this. And I think that, you know, it kind of shows in, in, sh- you know, very sharp contrast the, the differences between Major League Baseball and the Players Association right now, things that were going to be there when they sat down at the, at the conference table to negotiate the new CBA, those issues are, or at least a lot of them are being brought to the fore right now. Issues about service time, issues about, about contract status. Um, a lot of different things are, are bubbling to the surface. You know, I guess basically what the, what the virus has done is, 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 is enabled these two sides to shout at each other a little louder and sooner maybe than they would have otherwise. Um, and, and I think that this just shows, you know, that this isn't going to be an easy process. And by this, I mean the, the collective bargaining agreement, not going to be an easy process yeah. to work to work through. And it, it's, Heightened now because of the anxiety about this situation, the uncertainty about health and, you know, is there going to be enough toilet paper <laughs> and things like that? Now you're, you're, you're piling these contract issues, livelihood issues, things that the, the union obviously feels very strongly about and the owners feel very strongly about. You're keeping all this together in a giant cauldron of, of I don't even combustibility <laughs> and and that's what we have right now as a preview to CBA negotiations and I think MLB is still working through it. That's I, I wonder how much that will impact or has already impacted decisions about when it is time to restart the season or, or when thing when when people are able to go back to ballparks and and, and fields to work out how much of the you know timing will depend upon what kind of issues are worked out. So, you know, it's it's interesting. I'm sure that there are a lot of lawyers on both sides right now. Oh yeah. In rooms and on conference calls working through these things. <clears throat> so I, I think, you know, at, at this point everybody is just kind of sitting back. That's one of the reasons I think that, you know, MLB has gone into such a media blackout and, huh, yeah. and, you know, is it nobody wants to have somebody say something or, or, you know, recommend something that could become another flashpoint. Um, so yeah. I think that they're just taking the response of, you know, just everybody go, go into little cubicles and work through it there. So I'm sure that, that yeah. I mean, I think the fascinating, it would be fascinating to listen to those conversations, you know, in, in the conference rooms in New York where MLB is meeting and, and whatnot, but, you know, can't, we're not privy to that and we won't be for quite some time, it, it appears. So I think for now we're just working through it. The, the service time issue I know is a really a, a dry one for fans and they don't, 
a uh, 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 vast majority of fans don't care about Super 2 and all those types of issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do think in this case it is a serious, serious issue uh, for the future of uh, basically every team out there. So you see yeah. this, the entire, uh, or this this big wave of first-year ARB guys that the Pirates just had, um, who's in there, Joe Musgrove, Trevor Williams, Jamison Tyone, Adam Frazier, um, you know, those those types of guys who, if they are ARB1, you have a couple of years left with them, it's all right. Um, you can figure something out, figure out a time to trade them, extend them, whatever. Um, if you don't play any games this year and those guys are, you know, it, you know, this one player I, I talked to mentioned uh, maybe they'll have to set a roster at some point, and so they have to sort of declare who uh, is their major league roster, who is their 40-man roster. And mm-hmm. if these guys do advance a year in service time with no games played, first off, that would, that would mess up every comp in the world, but <laughs> uh, but it also would mean these guys are a year closer to free agency. You have them for less time, and, and uh, that would be... A serious problem because you weren't able to, you know, trade them and all that. So I, I really doubt they're going to have to. Personally, I doubt they're going to have to cancel the whole season. But I'm not a, you know, an expert on any of this, so it's just a guess. Um, but it's also, you know, I, I don't know whether they'll agree that everyone does get a year of service time because it would be a total bonus for the Pirates, especially if nobody got a year of service time and, and you were able to. Keep yeah. all those guys yeah. in the same point in their contracts, the same salaries moving into, moving into next year. And, and Mitch Keller is still, um, you know, I think he would still be, uh, in his, uh, first year technically and have like six left. So, uh, mm-hmm. that would be, that would be good for the Pirates, but we'll see. That's going to be, I mean, there's, there's a reason we haven't heard anything about that yet because I think they're still going to be <laughs> arguing over that type of thing for quite some yeah. time until we get a little more clarity on how soon they can get back to baseball. And, and two, if they decide to, you know, if there is, I, I'm, I'm with you for starters too that I, I think there will be baseball this year. But I've um, I've canceled all my travel through April and May. I'm basically writing off those yeah. two months. I don't think that's going to happen at all. I think June is probably the most optimistic sure. uh, starting point. And I've you know even heard tell from some people that they're looking at uh, something closer to July. Uh, Early July, Fourth of July, right around the time of what would have been <laughs> the All Star break. The All Star break, right? <laughs> and what about guys? You know, side issue, uh, tangent here. What about guys who have bonus clauses for innings pitched, games finished, yeah. uh, innings, or you know, MVP votes, All Star berths, all those guys who have potential millions of dollars they could, you know, that, that could be removed from the economy of contracts right now, which is you know, certainly not, uh, not, you know, certainly weighs heavily on the, on the PA's mind. So that's, yeah, that's something else to consider. And if, if you do award service time, uh, just in, in some fashion, form or fashion, whether it's a reduced season or a full season awardee or whatever, keep in mind that yes, that moves guys closer to their free agent departure date, but at the same time, it kicks the, a team like the Pirates in the teeth a little bit. Um, or maybe lower than the teeth because the guys in the minors are not playing and there's exactly. you know, minimal yeah. development growth and experience for those guys. So you're coming closer to losing your big leaguers, but your minor leaguers aren't necessarily getting any closer to the big leagues. And right. that's, uh, although maybe that, maybe that would force some teams that don't spend money on veteran players to start spending money. Just a thought. So nah, nah, <laughs> nah. We'll never hey, see that. 
what I would be interested to see is, is let's say this is, um, you know, this really, really lingers. Uh, they can't get it sorted out and start playing baseball until August 1st. At that point, there's no, no sense even playing because you're going to have, um, you know, three weeks to, to warm up and one month to play for the playoffs, which would be awesome, but it would be <laughs> uh, pretty, pretty stupid for the record, record books. Um, yeah. So I'd be curious what they do in that, in that situation. Let's say they're cleared by late summer to, to do baseball activities. Um, maybe, you know, maybe veterans get most of the year off, but they have, basically a mandatory fall camp or fall ball. I mean, I think that would be interesting. You basically recreate like a GCL, uh, mm-hmm. but have a bunch of teams um, to to run through. Uh, man, just basically create your own league for this year to keep guys ready. I, I think that would be uh, pretty likely because there's no way these teams are just going to be okay not playing a single minor league game. There's so much development to be made mm-hmm. um, and, and done. And if they are – once they are allowed to continue – and resume baseball activities. I think they'll figure out a way, and they'll probably have to be pretty creative to um, to get that done, even if games aren't played. So, yeah. um, but I, speaking of games, actually that were played, there was a spring training, and we were down there. I was there. Oh, yeah. For, yeah, I, <laughs> I was there for the workout portion. You were there for most of the games, uh, and you were also there the day that that baseball. Um, when, when, uh, the, the lights were turned out on baseball. Yeah. Um, so what, uh, yeah, what takeaways do you come home with as you, as you packed up early? Weirdest, most surreal spring training ever for me, uh, in a lot of ways, you know, getting, getting there late was, was bizarre. And then the way things unfolded, um, and, and unfolded so quickly in a lot of ways, you know, um, that we went from, you know, I think on a, on a, uh, a Friday, I remember joking with a player, you know, about, you know, not shaking hands and stuff like that. And then by Monday, the media was kicked out of the clubhouses. Yeah. Um, and then by the end of that week, you know, baseball was dark. So just a fast moving, strange week. I think we saw, well, let's look at it a couple of different ways. First of all, just the whole phenomenon of it. That last game, and I, and I wrote, a, you know, you and I combined on a story about that last day. I went as a fan. At that point, I had taken uh, you because we you always get some downtime in spring training. So I had taken a few days, and I was actually staying on Anna Maria Island uh, at that point. And it really was, you know, it sounds cliche, but it was like living on an island. You would have no clue out there that anything like this was going on in the world. That people would get up and you would go to the beach in the morning. You would have breakfast at a restaurant. It was just like any other day, you know, at the beach. And the, so we went into. We got tickets in advance just for that Thursday game because it just seemed to work out good on our end. Little did we know that would be the last day. And I got there and you could, it, it felt like a normal day at the beginning. And I remember running into a scout or a couple of scouts on the, on the concourse behind a home plate there and talking with them. And then one of them grabbed his phone and looked down at it and says, Hey, look at this. And he, he got an, a text message from a buddy of his who works for another American league club that's often referred to as an evil umpire. And he just, the message was simple. They're, they're shutting down baseball tomorrow. And the, the guy looked at me and said, well, you know, my club has already sent almost all of its scouts home. It's just like me and one other guy that are at games right now. What the hell am I doing here? Hmm. And then he went up, you know, went up, up to the press box and got his game notes and did his job knowing that, you know, it could be days, weeks, months before any of that information is necessary or how things would have changed after that. So they played the game. Uh, four o'clock, 
Cole Tucker hits that home run to kind of mark the occasion. And then everybody kind of looks around like, well, is that going to be it? Because it's four o'clock. Right. But they kept, they kept playing and they finished the game, which seemed kind of odd because what if somebody tears up a knee there or something? But, you know, it seemed like every, nobody was, you know, everybody was playing just as hard as they were, you know, at 359. So they finished the game. There were no incidents and the game ends. The Pirates lost. Everybody stood up and kind of looked around like, oh. <laughs> and then uh, the announcer, the, the PA announcer came on and said that, you know, Major League Baseball was shutting this all down. We hope you understand. Sorry for the inconvenience. And some people applauded uh, just the, you know, the players walking off the field. Some people booed the announcement. But then everybody just kind of – it was funny too. was every year the Pirates during spring training hold like a a health fair. At, at Lecom Park, the ballpark formerly known as McKechnie Field, where there's people from Manatee Hospital and, and there's like, you know, doc- doctors and chiropractors and PT people and they hand out little things like a, like a little stress ball that's shaped like a, a human brain. It's wonderful. <laughs> and but, so it was like the health fair and you're going and I got like a little free pack of travel band-aids and, and, uh, a little squishy brain and a cup and a pen. And somebody next to me goes, do you have any masks? And nobody laughed because everybody was curious. Like, well, if you have them, we'll take them right now. But no, they did not have any surgical masks. <laughs> um, so just weird timing of having health fair day on the same day they shut down because of a pandemic. And as the image that strikes me is we're walking out of, out of ballpark formerly known as McKechnie Field. Uh, and the crowd is, as usual for these is, is heavily senior citizen tilted. There were hand sanitizer things posted all over the exits, you know, like five or six of them. And people were stopping and rubbing their hands and, you know, lotioning up right there at the, at the exit of the ballpark. And then we just walked out of the ballpark and into the world. And here we are. Yeah. So, so that was the scene part of it. Um, baseball wise. And it's weird now trying to come up with story ideas and I have some stuff baseball stuff, but it feels still kind of feels weird writing about it. But I think in some ways, what did, what did Ben mention to you about what he had learned about the club through what he saw over the first, I guess, five-ish weeks of spring training? Yeah. So that was an interesting answer. I thought where, um, yeah. So uh, among a bunch of questions, just logistics of, of how this is going to work when you can get back to baseball, what sort of contact you have with these players, um, he was asked about, um, basically what did you, what did you like about the club from this, this spring? And I thought his answer was pretty good because let's be, let's be honest, there were three 15 and two. There wasn't a whole lot of winning happening. Again, spring training numbers couldn't, you know, matter less, but he did, uh, you know, he, he did seem to, to really like the, the vibe, the energy, the attitude in camp and, and being down there, I think he's right. I think it is a, a really good one. Now being, you know, good sports doesn't necessarily mean you're going to win much in the regular season. So it doesn't really say a lot, but I do think it's a good, mm-hmm. you know, it's a good indicator of maybe what the direction they're going to be heading. Um, so I said that the hardest part about these conversations they had with every player in major league camp on Saturday before they, you know, sort of let them leave camp um, was there's a, there's a big sense of disappointment that guys didn't want to give up the work and put down what they were working on and, and head home and have to restart. And they, you know, I think had the league not mandated it, a lot of guys would have stayed there and kept working. And 
so as Ben said at the, at the end of it, he's like, you know, we'll have to continue that work and do it in different ways. So I don't know what that's going to look like. Uh, certainly the front office you'd think could meet over, you know, different, uh, video conference, uh, softwares or, or whatever, and, and basically stay on the same page and learn. But man, most of the learning you're going to do at this point in time is watching guys and, you know, having hands-on coaching and then having, um, you know, quants there to, uh, enhance some things or just to point some things out. And I think they were, uh, off to a good start there and now it's all, it's all on pause. So we're not really going to know the work that they put in over these next couple weeks and months. Um, we can probably see some players, what they're going to do on, on Instagram, the workouts they're doing. But other than that, um, it's going to be interesting to see how different the team looks, how different, uh, if the roster looks any different come, uh, spring training number two. Yeah. I, the spring training was important for a lot of guys in a different way. I mean, it, it's important every year for guys, but a guy like Greg Polanco comes to mind for me because he's a guy that really has a, f- a season and a half of just essentially lost time right. behind him and really needed, I thought, to show this spring that he was fully healthy, that he was all the way back, and that he was ready to be the man on this team. You know, that there's no Marte and there's no McCutcheon out there in the outfield with him. I mean, you know, I'm not I'm not saying that to belittle Brian Reynolds or whoever they decide to play in center field. But, you know, Polanco was part of that triumvirate that they brought up. You know, there's this dream outfield that we saw together for about 20 minutes, it seems. And now he's the guy, last guy standing out there. And he's never been asked to carry the lineup offensively. He's never asked to been asked to be the, the veteran leader in the outfield or, or, or just on the field before. He's going to be asked to do that this year. And spring training was the time when he really needed to start, you know, establishing that and, and getting that underway. And I think we saw a lot of good things from Greg on the field. Uh, certainly his, his base running, you know, he was aggressive and he was, he, he was doing a good job there. Uh, the swing a little, there was, there's moments I was talking with scouts, uh, that, you know, there, there were times it looked like sort of the old Greg, but there was also like a lot of rust there. Some scouts were saying some things that they were picking up. And in the field, that was probably the area where, where, where scouts were showing the most concern because he was, no one could recall seeing him really having to unleash a throw. Right. And a lot of times he was kind of lollipopping the ball in. And, and some of that was by design, you know, that they wanted to protect the arm and the shoulder. But eventually you have to be able to do it. And he hadn't really done that in spring training. He's not during a game. He might have been on backfields uncorking, you know, 500-foot throws or whatever. But we didn't really see him do it in a game. We just saw a lot of tentative or, or play-it-safe kind of actions from him defensively. So that's still a very big question mark, I think, at least in my mind and in the mind of the scouts and evaluators that I spoke with. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And we did have a couple, I think two rounds of cuts. And I don't mm-hmm. think there were – any real supply, surprises in there? The, the camp sort of, uh, the, the standout performers were probably Blake Cedarland, uh, the reliever and, uh, O'Neill Cruz, the shortstop. Um, they were the ones that caught a ton of attention early on and they were both, um, cut. Cedarland going to AAA and this is a guy who I, I do think, uh, could have a pretty big part in their, in their future. He's got a real wild delivery. So you sort of worry about injury potential there, but for the time being, this, Guy throws, you know, uh, he throws 100, 101, uh, when he wants to and, and has some pretty good stuff. So, uh, real young too. So 
he'll get to triple A this season, assuming there are games and, uh, you know, factor pretty, pretty well into a bullpen that is, is desperately in need of some impact uh, pitchers. So yeah. if he can not walk people, I, I like his future. Um, you know, we had Brubaker, Ponce sent down as well, DeRapo, um, uh, Luis Escobar, James Marvel. And then, uh, in the next wave, I think it started with O'Neill Cruz and, yes. Cruz, I think there was some sort of mix up where initially, uh, you know, I think we were told that he was going to, uh, triple A, which uh, a lot of people were excited about. This is a, this is a guy who the day he showed up to, showed up to camp, told us that his goal was to be in the majors this year and he believes he can do it because with him, anything is possible according to him. Uh, then he, they, the pirates corrected that and said, sorry, he is actually headed to double A, which to me makes more sense. I know. Yeah. Yeah, uh, fans fans would love to rush him along, but the way we've looked at this roster, the way I think it's constructed, still, um, I, I think Cole Tucker is going to start the year at AAA. I think they're going to have a starting shortstop already at AAA, mm-hmm. and they'll they'll uh, need to get O'Neill everyday starts somewhere, and that happens at AA. Now, the minute that they figure out what they're doing with their major league mm-hmm. roster and they bring up Cole Tucker for whatever reason, then O'Neill can you know bump up to AAA. He's still very, very young. He's got a lot of growing and learning to do. Well, maybe not growing. Um, <laughs> putting on weight, probably not putting on any more uh, height. No more so, uh, so that's one that I think bothered some people, but I'm not necessarily, uh, I don't yeah. necessarily share, yeah. share that, that concern because I think that, that was the only place to get him everyday starts guaranteed at the start of the year. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I was a little surprised too when I, when I saw that, you know, that the initial, Email said he was going to Triple A. I thought that can't be right, and sure enough, it, it wasn't that they'll send him to Altoona to begin the season. If assuming there is a season to begin at some point, so I I, I agree with that. That's the right mood. I think Cole Tucker starts out at Indianapolis as well, simply because there is a little bit of a black log there, and I think that they're still kind of ironing out what they do with Adam Frazier and is is you know Kevin Newman and those guys. I mean they they have some potentially moving parts. And I'm still not convinced that O'Neill Cruz ends up, you know, every day going forward as a shortstop. I, I still wonder if maybe right field or first base is in his future. So, yeah, yeah I think this is a, a critical year for him, you know, to really figure that out. They really have to sh- decide what spot they're going to play him at. And I think you, you do that at double A and you, you play, you know, you, you play him at short and then you see how that works out and you let Ben and his lieutenants get a real good eyes on him kind of thing. And then the decision is made at some point this year, what position he's going to be at going forward. And then you cement him there. If that means a little bit more time than maybe would have originally been necessary in Altoona, I think that's fine because they have in him one of the real, I think if you come up with a list of like top 10 most intriguing guys in the minors, I think he's on that list because he has, there are so many ways his, his career can go position wise, uh, production wise. There's just, it's, it's a ton. It's really, I mean, he's the one guy I remember talking with Neil Huntington last year that Neil got the most excited about, almost giddy because there are just so many possibilities there. And, but eventually now we're at that point where you've got to, stop thinking about possibilities and start charting a real solid path because you don't want to, you don't want to screw this up. You know, he's one of those few, if if it works for him, if it clicks, he's an impact guy. They don't have a lot of that in their farm system right now. They got a lot of good guys, very good guys, 
but they don't have a lot of real star caliber kind of guys. And he's one of them potentially. So yeah. I would like to see that happen. Um, but again, we're going to have to, <laughs> for now, just sit back and wait and think about how that might play out. And I'm in a way buy some time, but there's also so many other issues now that Ben and his, and his staff have to work their way through that it might seem a bit overwhelming at times. If you were to guess how many days on average people in the United States have to wait to see a doctor, what would you say? A week maybe? Actually, on average, people have to wait around 29 days to see a doctor in major U.S. cities. Basically, that's a month. If you're dealing with a condition like erectile dysfunction, you want treatment ASAP. That's why our friends at Roman have spent years building a digital platform that can connect you with a doctor licensed in your state, all from the comfort of your home. Roman makes it convenient to get the treatment you need on your schedule. Just grab a phone or a computer, complete a free online visit, and you'll hear back from a U.S. licensed physician within 24 hours. And if the doctor decides the treatment is right for you, Roman's Pharmacy can ship your medication to you for free two-day shipping. You also get a free unlimited follow-ups with your doctor anytime you have questions or if you want to adjust adjust your treatment plan. With Roman, there are no commitments. You can cancel anytime. So if you're struggling with ED, go to GetRoman.com slash Yins for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com slash Yins, Y-I-N-Z, for a free online visit and a free two-day shipping offer. All right. So now... Yeah. I'm curious what you think, too, about what we discussed well on last week's episode but uh did not exist let's go back to it um ken Ken rosenthal reported before this all happened that the pirates had approached at least four guys um about contract extensions and the four he listed were joe musgrove brian reynolds kevin newman key brian hayes the two ones that really jump out to you there to me at least uh joe musgrove the fact being that I think the last time they extended a starting pitcher was Charlie Morton in 2013. Um, right. And that was, you know, a pretty reasonable, um, I mean, if Charlie Morton, at, <laughs> that is not uh, 2019, 2020 Charlie Morton. That is when he was still figuring things out and, you know, had had Tommy John and all that. So, mm-hmm. um, so Joe is a guy who I think both of us think has just kind of scraped his potential. I think he's got a whole lot more left in him. So I don't know necessarily that it would behoove him to sign an extension at this point. It might be better for him to try to just show out for a couple of years and then hit free agency uh, rather than signing when you have yet to show your true potential um, or, or maintain it. So I don't know that that would make sense for Joe. It would make sense for the Pirates, I think, because I think there's more in this guy and he's he's not old or anything like that. So if you get him to a three, four-year extension, you know, that buys you a little bit of um, cost certainty. Uh, Reynolds and Newman are obvious to me. I mean, th- those are your youngest, best players. If you can lock them up, fantastic. Newman, I don't know that he'll necessarily stay at shortstop forever, but if he can hit yeah. 300, uh, you know, he'll have a, a home somewhere on the diamond. And Hayes is the other intriguing one for me because uh, he has not played a game in the majors. He has not been all that good offensively in the minors. Uh, he's at AAA. He is uh, a fantastic fielder. Uh, great to watch. I think we both believe he's going to be a, a very solid major league contributor for, for many, many years. Um, and so I, I think it makes sense to, to see what you can 
can do. I was on the side of saying that the, he would not start the season in Pittsburgh. I know there are a lot of people who would like to see him show up in Pittsburgh. Um, for the word go, uh, basically, if you're looking at the future, why not get your future more at-bats right now? Colin Moran is not the future. Eric Gonzalez is not the future. Jose Osuna is not the future. Let's give Key Brian Hayes some starts. And I, under- I understand that sentiment. I just think with the way um, options work and the way contracts are, um, barring something like this getting done before opening day, I, I just didn't see it. I think he'll be up at some point this season, but I think they're they're going to try Eric Gonzalez first as a as a defense first third baseman. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you get a deal like this done, I mean that tells me that he's going to be um, on on the roster from the you know as soon as they get the green light here. So uh, so I thought those were interesting. I thought this is a good move for the front office, and usually these deals are going to get done by opening day if they're going to get done. Uh, so shutting things down, does that help this? Does that hurt this cause? Uh, what did you think about those uh, that report from Ken? Well, I wonder, I'll, I'll take them kind of reverse order that you did to start with, with, with Hayes. I wonder if, if a season is shortened dramatically as it now appears it will be. I, I agree with what you're saying. that it, it, Moran and Gonzalez are not your future. They are, you know, future you know, bench pieces, depth pieces, but they are not your future everyday players. So if a season is shortened dramatically, halved, let's say, maybe it does make more sense just stepping aside from the service time issues and whatnot for a moment. I think it makes sense then to say, well, if the future is coming at us at a faster clip now, you know, Cabrine, the, the future now is, is it, it's now for you and, and to start, make him your everyday third baseman, you know, July 4th or, or whatever that day is, that the baseball gets back on the field. Um, simply because you're going to have less time, you know, to – everything is condensed. So it makes more sense then, yeah, to to speed up maybe or maybe hasten. I don't know. I don't want to give the sense of doing this before he's ready because I think he is ready. But to get, make him, you know, your everyday guy now and see where it leads, especially in a shortened season. However, the contract issues, the service time issues, they, they do complicate things. And I don't know if it makes a lot of sense unless the deal is really a, you know, star spangled fireworky kind of deal that just captures your attention as a, as a, as a person. Uh, I don't know if it makes sense for him to agree to an extension right now with the Pirates because, it, you know, it, just judging on again, so much of what we have to go on is past history with this franchise. Yeah, uh, it's going to be a team friendly extension. And if you're a guy, you know, how many years is it going to have to be? You know, at least six, right? If you're going to buy, but you probably would like to get seven or eight to get some of that free agency to make it a little bit more worthwhile for the club. Unless you are, are anticipating significant changes to the arbitration system through collective bargaining. When that next CBA is approved, that maybe yeah. instead of like three years of, of, you know, pre-arb, now it's, you know, instead of talking about a zero to six player, now you may be talking a zero to five player with yeah. three years of arbitration or four years of arbitration for everybody. These are things we heard bandied about, you know, long before, you know, we all knew what, you know, COVID-19 was. So if, if some of those changes come to pass, does it make – you're going to want a longer-term deal if you're the Pirates to get more financial you know, security and certainty 
And if I'm Cabrian Hayes, I don't know if I'm going to give that up, especially if my dad is a former big leaguer who has been through these battles and wars and see how the owner knows how the owners work, who knows what the players association would like to see from his younger players and how things are set now and they become precedents and affect players five, 10, 15, 50 years from now. So yeah, that's a lot to put <laughs> on the shoulders of Cabrian Hayes. So I just, I don't get the sense that a deal gets done there unless it really the pirates break form and suddenly turn into these free spenders, uh, right. Their own players. And I don't see that happening. Newman Reynolds. You're right. It makes sense. Those are two bright young guys who have bright young futures with this, with this team and with the sport. I also don't know if the timing is right for those guys. They're both pre-arb early pre-arb guys. Um, Again, the earning potential, and there's so much uncertainty with, because by the time they reach arbitration, we'll be past the next CBA. So I just don't know if you're willing, if, if you're their agent, unless you have some really good inside dope on how things are, are going to change or not change in the next CBA. I don't know if I'm willing to roll the dice there. A guy like Musgrove, I think maybe in some ways that's the best chance the Pirates have for an extension. Uh, cause he's already in year one of arbitration. So you don't have to extend him. We're not talking half a decade of extension now. Maybe you're just talking three years and maybe he's willing to, to, to show a commitment to the team and the organization. And, and really he strikes me as a guy who is eager to build upon what he started. He, he wants to build, not only to, to tap his potential as a pitcher, but just he, he's talked so much about being a leader in that clubhouse, about being a guy that sets the tone in that room and, and with this whole franchise that I think he would kind of welcome the chance to have a little bit of income certainty, contract certainty. And even if it's just like say three years or so to get that out of the way and, and move on from there. So, you know, I think in the order of likelihood for a deal, I think it goes Musgrove, Reynolds and Newman. I just don't get, I haven't gotten the sense of many when I've talked to that there's a lot of traction there. And Cabrian Hayes, that would require a revolution in thought, <laughs> a total paradigm change in the front office and with ownership. Uh, ownership, by the way, that still hasn't spoken with us since the hiring of uh, Ben Sherrington in November. Um, so I just don't see that happening. Yeah, I was, I was thinking back when uh, considering a Brian Reynolds extension, because I do think it's less likely he would do it than uh Kevin Newman if I were their agents I would I would try to get Kevin Newman locked up cuz I think his ceiling is just uh more uh more known um mm-hmm. than Brian Reynolds I, I think extension there cool he's he's a better hitting Jordy Mercer I think that's that's great mm-hmm. that's a, he can be, make a fantastic career out of that I don't know that he'll yeah. be a a perennial all-star but when when I think of Brian Reynolds um I think back to the point at which um, Andrew McCutcheon signed his, signed his extension, he it was a spring of 2012. He had just come off of his age 24 season. He was an all-star that year for the first time. Um, but I think at that point, what we, I guess what McCutcheon was at that point was a, was a guy who had an OPS, you know, around 820 uh, in his previous you know, parts of three seasons. Um, he was going to hit you 15 to 20 homers, steal 20 to 30 bases, and bat, you know, 280, 280-ish. Um, that's who he was at that point in time. And so he had a bright future. Sure, he was still young. And he signs that extension. And he goes on a, on a tear where he has uh, three consecutive years with OPS over 910 and is a top five MVP finisher for 
four consecutive years. Uh, at the end of that, that's when he would have hit free agency, and he would have made a boatload of money. Um, I was I did some math on it a couple of years ago, and he probably, or I guess it was last year, once he actually finally signed his first free agent contract with the Phillies, you know, and I, he probably got more than his numbers deserved with the Phillies. And mm-hmm. I looked at um, what he, based on comps, what he would have been uh, getting in free agency when had he hit free agency in 2015. Um, as he would have originally been scheduled to, and he gave up something between you know 125, 100, 150 million over the course of his career, um, because he signed that extension. And I I don't necessarily think Brian Reynolds has the same um, you know path forward, but I'd be real wary if I were his agent about signing today. Why not wait another year, another two years um, to see yeah. if to see what he's going to become. Uh, because the reason you sign this one, one way of looking at it is the reason you sign it after a great rookie season is that you're not sure the next five years are going to be, um, so good or you have injury history and you're, you're, you need to take that guaranteed money or your family really needs that money. Um, mm-hmm. I don't really think Reynolds, he does have a, a, you know, shoulder injury in the past, but that was, I think high school. So, uh, this guy's a, a heck of a hitter, a good ball player. And I think we don't even know what he's going to become. And if I were his agent, I would be real wary about giving up the next six or seven years with a yeah. couple, you know, club options, which are the biggest racket around, um, <laughs> to, uh, to, and then not hit free agency until I'm, I'm 31 or something. So I, I, yeah. I think that one is maybe even the least likely of all in my mind. I, I agree. Yeah. It, it just seems like something that, if you're willing, if so much, we often hear that, you know, guys are betting on themselves and Reynolds would seem to have a pretty good, you know, a lot less risk in his bet on himself. And if you would sign an extension six, seven plus, you know, right now, that would, yeah, it seems like you'd be leaving a lot of money on the table. And you got to remember too, I mean, if you, if you do that, you know, the union is always skeptical, maybe is, is the mildest way of putting it when younger guys sign these longer term deals. Because it, it lowers the bar a little bit for the, everybody yeah. else. And, you know, again, the timing issue is so close to the expiration of the CBA. And at a time when we've already seen tensions bubbling over a little bit between these two sides, you would think that a lot of the players are going to want to be a, show a little bit more solidarity, maybe. And that might make things more difficult. But again, it, it, it so often it comes down to an individual guy, what he wants to do. You know, I, I hear this all the time when I talk to Scott Boris. He says, you know, I just work for these guys. I tell them what I think is right. I tell them what I would do. I tell them to wait and, and, and reap a bigger harvest. But at the end of the day, these, you know, these guys tell me to do one thing. And, and if that's what they want to do, then that's what they do. So we'll see. Yeah. Well, hey, Rob, before we let these good people go, I wanted to, uh, shout out our, uh, the Athletic Pittsburgh social distancing survival guide, which went yeah. up this morning. I think we all had some fun with that one. Um, and, uh, I want to give you a chance, uh, any, any particular establishment, one or two you want to, you want to shout out before we, uh, get out of here? Well, I gave some love to Intergroove Brewing, which is in Verona, not far from where I live. Uh, it's, it's a brew pub that opened up over the winter. Cool little place. Uh, they, the inner groove name comes from the, the fact that they play vinyl 
only in, nice. in their establishment. Yes. And they have like one night, you, well, back when it was open as a brew pub, you could go inside and actually sit down and have a beer Tuesday nights or bring your own vinyl night. You could bring your album and you play the album and that was kind of cool. But they are still open, at least as of right now, uh, for takeout orders. They will fill your growler. You can pay online and they say, you know, you don't even have to touch another human being to get your beer. And there's food trucks there and whatnot. So that's, that's a place that, you know, I, I have a soft spot for, for smaller businesses, for fam, especially family run joints, you know, cause these people have a lot on the line. And, you know, while we need to flatten the curve and all that, um, let's not kid ourselves, you know, two weeks for a business being shuttered for two weeks. Yeah. That's and hard. even if they're open for takeout, you got to figure their business is just a trickle of what it used to be before that. Um, it's a nuclear bomb for, for small businesses. So, you know, please get out there and, and help keep these people going because, you know, we're, we've all, we're all we've got. So mm-hmm. that's Yeah. And, uh, it is currently breakfast time. I am currently hungry. So I will give my shout out, uh, to there's Delaney's in Southside. Man, I used to live around the corner from Delaney's. It's a great coffee mm-hmm. shop. I used to, practically uh leech off of their wi-fi and just sit there drinking coffee and having a breakfast sammy uh <laughs> all the time when i was a when i was a poor little first year um writer at the post gazette so uh definitely recommend it they're still open this week their breakfast sandwiches are fantastic there's a great variety and over here in squirrel hill then uh, a new place called pigeon bagels uh great stuff super fresh and um, healthy too. It'll make you feel good. And they're also open. So those are my recommendations. And uh, yeah, Rob, let's get out of here. As someone who grew up watching Bill Burns on KDK in the afternoons, I can I have just the name Pigeon and Healthy. I don't know. It's a, that's a real inside Pittsburgh thing and maybe almost like a part of lost Pittsburgh because Bill Burns and Patty <laughs> Burns and Bill's just hatred of pigeons. Yeah, especially in Market Square. But anyway, I'm dating myself. I'm showing my yins or north side roots. That's okay. Thanks for listening. Stay safe. Stay quarantined. Steve and I are remote locations right now, wrapped in bubble wrap. And yins do the same. Talk to you later.